Hi, I'm Kara Kilmer. I play Sylvie Brennan on Chicago Fire, and you are listening to Minas Amolis. gonna be all sunshine and roses but i can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride hey everyone welcome back to another episode of meet us at molly's this is episode 112 and today we're gonna cover chicago med season two episode 11 this is called graveyard shift AKA the panda episode. Yeah. Yay. As always, I'm one of your hosts. My name's Gina. I'm joined by Bryna. Hello, everybody. We don't have a lot of news today, and I'm kind of glad we don't because this means we can just like cut right to the chase, which is good. Yeah. Um, first bit of news Jeff Hefner is coming to the Chicago Heroes event. I'm so excited. This was really unexpected. I would have never have guessed him as a possible guest, but I'm really excited to meet him. Same. I feel like Clark deserved better on multiple fronts, so I'm excited to possibly get the chance to talk about it with him. Yes. Clark deserved better. Hashtag. We're going to start that hashtag now. <laughs> Justice for Clark. But yeah, I'm really excited. It'll It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, and it also gives us a chance to catch up on the early days of fire. His early days of med are still in my brain, like they're still fresh. But the early days of fire, all I remember is his wife being accused of murder, right? No, she did murder. He got accused of the murder for her. He went. He tried to take the blame for her, and she actually did it instead. See, this is why I like. I remember his early days of fire much better than I do his med days. Really. Yeah, okay. and, well, like, this is a great example. Like, I, I mean, A, I don't think I've ever seen this episode. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, like, like I really have no recollection of his med stuff except for the fact that he dated Natalie and, like, yeah, he dated Natalie. That's all I remember. So I'm excited to possibly meet him and ask him some questions and just be like, hey, Clark didn't deserve either fate on fire or med. Nope. But hopefully he's nope. living it up in Hawaii. I, I'm sure he is. Like, how can you one not? Right. It's why. Right. So if you do not have your tickets for the Chicago Heroes event yet, go to OCEproductions.com. Grab your tickets. There's a lot of good stuff that is going to happen that weekend. Uh, Miranda Mayo is going. Taylor Kinney is going. Uh, Nick Gelfis, Tori DeVito, Jesse Lee Soffer, a bunch of people. You'll definitely you don't want to miss the weekend. Just trust me. And we will be there. So you definitely do not want to miss it. Yeah. Yeah. We had so much fun last time. Um, And if you want to listen to our episodes from the first Chicago Heroes event, if you scroll back to like episode 44, 45-ish, all around there, it's our recaps of the different days and then our our highlights from the meet and greets with different people. So it's it's all... I was just going to say, there's also on our website, if you go to the blog section and scroll like back, I think as far back as the blog section goes, there's also a whole master post of everything from CHE1. So the meet and greets, the interviews, our recaps, everything is all in one post. And I'll retweet, I'll tweet that out again at some point. But 
I've been posting it on Facebook every now and then, but it's there. Like, it's all together. So It was just the best weekend, and so we're looking forward to doing it again. And if you see us in Chicago, I don't care if we've met before or not met before, please say hi to us. Please, please, please. We want to meet everybody. So I'm really looking forward to it. So we're just about a month away now, right? Yeah, and I think we may be trying to put together some kind of hangout maybe that Friday night. I don't know where. We're still working on that. But if you're around in Chicago that Friday night, the night before the con, keep an eye out because we'll be doing something, I'm sure. Please, yes. We would. We, we want to meet anybody and everybody. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Second bit of news. It's just a reminder. Hey, we've got a tea public store. It's awesome. Um, Yeah, we've got our logo t-shirts, our silhouette shirts, our squad goal shirt. I've been going nuts in Photoshop and just designing a ton of stuff. And it's actually been really fun, even though I've kind of sacrificed sleep. But definitely keep an eye out. We're always coming out with new designs. It's a lot of fun. And it doesn't have to be a t-shirt. If you want to do a coffee mug or a sticker or different things like that, we've got different options. So it's in the link in our bio on Instagram. So definitely check out our Tee Public store. It's pretty great. Yeah, my favorite thing, Gina, is waking up to text in the morning when I wake up at like 745 or whatever and like getting texts from you that come in at like, 30 my time and you're like look what I'm doing and I'm like okay well I was asleep sorry about that but like those are my favorite things recently to wake up to I'm having a lot of fun designing these shirts and I'm learning a lot so uh I'm kind of unearthing the web mastering and photoshop skills that I acquired in like the ninth grade when I used to make NSYNC stuff you know <laughs> I could go on and on about NSYNC but uh yeah I'm unearthing those skills and it's a lot of fun I'm having a blast so Definitely keep yeah. an eye out on our Tee Public store because we're always coming out with new stuff. And we would love to see you rocking your stuff at the Chicago Heroes event. It would be a lot of fun. Yeah. So about all the news we've got, though, it's really a slow news week, I guess, since we had so much news last week. Kind of. Yeah. And last it. week we were coming off a hiatus. So we had like two weeks worth, essentially, which is why there was so much. Right. Although if we oh, want to add in some news, there was Roland's tweet that came down on Wednesday. Yeah, I meant to put that in outline. There was also that Molly Bernard interview, which really didn't have much, but there was technically a Molly Bernard interview. Okay, we can talk about that another time. But to sum up Roland's tweet, Roland made a tweet either Wednesday or earlier in the week. He was petting a dog, but he was in scrubs. And he tagged a Chicago organization. Yes, which made us just like, jump over the moon because you guys know how much we love Roland and Roland is a friend of the pod and yeah we've only been begging for him to come back for an entire season so please let this be true (laughs) please be the return of Noah Sexton we would love that we love Roland very much please please (laughs) pretty please yes But otherwise, that's all the news. You guys know the drill. If you see anything, hear anything, any semblance of news anywhere, please send it to us however you think is best. You guys are really good about that. You always catch stuff that we miss. We appreciate it. So without further ado, I think it is time to move into the episode. What do you think, Brenna? Let's do it. Okay, so just a reminder, this is Chicago Med Season 2, Episode 11, entitled Graveyard Shift. This is the Panda episode. Brenna, I have a confession to make. 
Yes. This was my first time to watch the episode. I'm about to make that same confession. <laughs> okay. Um, you know how we always say we don't remember season two? Yeah, it's because I skipped like half of it. <laughs> uh, I feel really bad admitting that, but I think in season two, it's when the shows were still on three separate nights or they aired like or med aired before fire or something. This was pre in Chicago. They were on three separate nights. This was that was my first year watching live. They were on three separate nights. This was 2017. Technically, but like, yeah, 2016, 2017. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember what I was doing in 2017? What? I was hosting trivia. Oh, yeah. I don't miss those days. I don't miss them either. Because, okay, so I, I, I hosted trivia for a little bit there. And on those trivia nights, literally, I would be sitting there during the rounds when I wasn't scoring or whatever I was doing. And Bryna would be texting me details about what was going on. So, and admittedly, yeah. I mean, I admittedly, if I missed an episode of Med, I wouldn't catch up on it, admittedly, because I was also, I was doing quiz like maybe three nights a week, and it was pretty hard to balance work, quiz, social life, eating and sleeping. It was hard to balance everything. I'm just going to be flat out honest. I didn't watch it because I didn't like it, or I was not at the time, like, I was just like, eh is med and like again kind of like you like if I missed it for some reason I just didn't watch it but I really think I dropped off a of med for a solid like probably around I want to say maybe mid-season like I just didn't pick up when they came back in the winter and then I picked up again when I saw that Jay's dad with Jay and Will's dad was coming in for the first time. Yeah, it was it was hard for me to maintain regularly watching because I was so limited on time. Uh, chances are because this is this is back when I used to take the train to and from work, which was so nice because I used to watch so much TV. But yeah, I had very limited amount of time and I would usually sleep on the way to the office. And then on the way back, I'd be watching something else. But I had a very limited like area of time in which to watch shows. So Med happened to fall by the wayside, admittedly. Um, and I mean, I also just go ahead. I was going to say, I also just think that Med has just gotten better. Like I can remember the first time I watched Med, like when I was watching season one, like when I was watching originally for the first time and I remember or tweeting you because we weren't really even that friends like I didn't have your number at that point but I remember like DMing with you and I was like does this get any better like I was just like I didn't really like season one of Med that much like if I'm being completely honest and like I just think Med has gotten better and better and better um and so like I think season three and four are some of Med's best yet probably three more than four but I just I yeah and season two kind of continued on that trend for me. So I was like, eh, if I miss it, not the world's biggest deal. I'm willing to say that Med had a sophomore slump. It happens. I mean, it happens to the best of shows. It's, there's nothing wrong with that. It happens. Yeah. I mean, heck, I mean, if we're talking about shows that weren't that great in this universe, we all know how we feel about justice. <laughs> I mean, justice even got canceled. I mean, justice got canceled. Right. It couldn't even be saved by the fact that this was like a, big franchise for the network like it was not that great and they decided to cancel it now so, i will say this though yeah. despite season two not being the strongest 
The storyline in this episode that I found the weakest was the one that this episode is known for. I found the panda storyline the weakest. The other ones, however, were so strong. Yeah, I just, I don't understand what, I don't know. I don't understand the panda storyline. I thought the other ones were strong. I'm really excited to talk about the Latham stuff because I thought that was fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I just, I don't understand really the panda episode. Like, I don't understand why they thought that was, I don't know. I don't understand. I'm willing to bet just because every time we talk to Derek and we're like, where did you get the idea from this? He's like, I read something in some part of the world. I'm willing to bet it was that. Yeah, it could be. I just, I don't know. (laughs) So let's get started with Will. We're going to bounce our way around the hospital just like we always do. I actually like this Will storyline. This was good. So Will is working a double shift to pay for his malpractice premiums because we're still in the wake of the DNR scandal. Oh, my God. I know. TBT. Throwback to when Will did not follow the rules. Oh, wait, he never outgrew that. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, Will's working a double to pay the malpractice premiums. Basically, Natalie jinxes him. Natalie's like, oh, I really hope it's an easy night. That is like when I used to work for Starbucks. And like the one word we would never say was slow. We would never say that it's slow because the minute we said that, we would get busy. Yeah, that's when I worked in the doctor office too you would never say that it was slow because as soon as you said it was slow then your phone would not stop ringing exactly exactly and so she jinxed it things are crazy three teenagers come in consecutively like one after the other and they're basically having a reaction to a drug that they took now what i want to ask you here bryna is do you recognize dr wheeler okay So I made a comment later in the outline. I don't, like, he looks familiar, and I couldn't remember if, like, have we met this doctor before? Was it the first time? Am I kind of recognizing him from something else? And then I meant to IMDB him, and I forgot. So let's go through this whole storyline, and then I'll circle back around to why we recognize him, or why I recognize him. Um, But, okay, so... Basically, the teenagers come in, and they're in really bad shape. You know, they can't really figure out what they took. It's some sort of synthetic. Basically, one teenager's in renal failure, one's in a coma and might not wake up. Like, it's battle around. So Dr. Wheeler is, he's really feeling this. Like, he's not handling it well. He's just being very sensitive. Because, I mean, the episode opens with one of Dr. Choi's patients who was shot in a drive-by. And the guy was just, like, playing basketball, shooting around and just having fun. And he was killed in a drive-by. And so... Dr. Wheeler is kind of already frazzled from this. And so, you know, Dr. Wheeler's not handling this great. He's getting really upset. And so Will basically, Will and Clark, actually, they later pick up on it because, you know, he's he's talking to Dr. Abrams and he's just like, this is insane. Like, he's going on. And Will and, Do- Will and Clark are just like, are you drunk? So turns out he is indeed drunk. Dr. Abrams makes a comment. He's like, Ugh, ED doctors. And at first I thought it was really funny because I was like, oh, Abrams, just making snide comments. I did too. Um, I did too. Yeah. Will basically points out that ED doctors have the highest rate of alcoholism, which is really remember- which is really interesting. So Halstead goes to check on Dr. Wheeler outside and Wheeler's just like, am I toast? Is this the end? Like, what the hell's happening? 
And Will's just like, no, like, it's okay. Don't worry. You know, you've definitely got to go to therapy, but this is not the end. Like, it's fine. Don't worry. You know why we recognize him? Why? You know the episode where the doctor commits suicide? From... Shit. Was that this season? It, I think it's season two. I think we've covered the episode before, too. I'm going to look up the title really fast because it escapes me right now. Now I'm in. I'm now I'm looking up him. Well, I'm not saying we recognize the actor. We recognize Dr. Wheeler because Dr. Wheeler is the one who dies by suicide. Yeah, I, I understood what you were saying. Um, what episode is this? Monday morning. It's uh, episode 17. Would we have covered that? I think we have. I think no, we have. We definitely I don't know if we have, but I don't like. I still don't know if I really remember it. Like, I don't know. Well, what I realized in watching this episode, I was like, okay, well, wait. They actually did lay the foundation towards this doctor's death because I remember watching two seventeen and being like, well, that's weird. This is a doctor we've never met before. Yeah, I just couldn't tell if it was one of those things, again, because I really don't remember that much of season two, um, if it was like a a couple episodes before this they laid the foundation and I just don't remember, or if this was like, I don't remember, I didn't remember why he kind of looked familiar or why they were spending so much time on him, but that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, I I actually really appreciate that they laid a foundation because otherwise this was complete. Two seventeen was completely out of the blue to me, and it makes more sense now. Yeah, I'd have to go back and like rewatch, um, whatever that. Yeah. Um, also, this guy, um, looking him up, his name was Jurgen Hooper on IMDb. Um, he was in, oh, he was in a bunch of med. So he was in two before this, and then he's in a couple after this, like, leading up to Monday morning. Um, he was on some show called Crisis that I don't know. He was on an episode of Fire back in the day. But he hasn't been in in anything since 2017. His last thing was Game Day. I love playing that game of, like, spot the background actor in multiple roles. It's always funny when like a Chicago-based like actor is a minor has a minor role and then he pops back up in another minor role. I'm like, wait a second, you died in this episode. What are you doing? He was in episode one seventeen of Chicago Fire. Okay, Just throwing that out there. But yeah, so he hasn't really been in anything other than really the Chicago shows, which is just kind of funny. Yeah, this is also a really good episode for Will. I feel. Yeah, this was a really good episode for Will. And I, I mean, granted, it's so hard because the older seasons, like, they were kind of separated for a while. But, like, it was also just really refreshing to have an episode without Natalie. <laughs> Is that bad for me to say? Natalie really was not in this episode very much, which I didn't realize until the very end when Will is like, hey, Clark, like, good job lesson. And I'm like, wait a second, where has Natalie been? Yeah, she goes home. Because this is like a night shift, essentially. It's a, a graveyard shift. Um, so it takes place all at night. And she gets to go home before that shift happens. And then she comes back for her next shift the next day. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Natalie's not in this episode really at all. And it was, like, very refreshing. And I feel like just because of now how, like, 
where there is will, there is Natalie, even when they're not together, where there's will, there's Natalie, when there's Natalie, there's will. And so like, to me, like to me, it's, this is like a really good Halstead episode because she's not there, which sounds so bad to say, but. I, I just, yeah, this is a good episode for him. I, I just, I, he, he's, his, his leadership skills are on display here, right? So we see that right. he actually can lead and he can be a mentor when he's not being Will. Does that sound bad? I love Will. I do. I love Will Halstead. I just, he has his moments, you know. I just feel like there's a lot of growth. Like, this episode really makes it seem like he learned. I mean, granted, it's not exactly the same mistakes that he made with his DNR situation, but it just seems like you can tell that he's grown a lot since that situation and has taken what he learned from his situation and is now able to give advice to other people, like you said, and mentor other people. And mm-hmm. it just, like you said, his leadership skills are really on display here. And I just think this is one of Will's best episodes. I really think that. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I'll agree. Um, it's one of, it's, it's a good one for Clark, too. I mean, granted, Clark's not really doing anything that butts heads with anyone else. You know, Will is just kind of telling him, okay, Clark, you know, handle this. And Clark does. And so, you know, it makes me laugh a little bit at the end when Natalie comes in and is like, how is the shift? And Will just goes, oh, the usual. Like, why aren't we going to tell Nat that like, hey, Clark and I got along for a night? I don't know. But yeah, I just I feel like it's a good one for him because, like you said, Will and Clark throughout season two really, even if it wasn't directly like, I hate you, I hate you, they definitely didn't get along and they definitely didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things. And I think this was a really good episode because they were able to come together and like learn from each other in a little way. Is like, obviously Clark being the resident, you know, learned a lot from Will, but Will, I think, also learned a little bit from Clark as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, yeah, I thought this was a really solid episode, even though Clark really wasn't the main focus of the storyline. Right, right. And it shows that when push comes to shove, Will can get it together. Will can rally the troops and handle things and get the job done. Again, Natalie not being here had a really big effect on him. You really and, think and so? And that sounds bad to say. I said Natalie not being there had a really big effect on him. And do that you, sounds so bad to say, but. Do you think Natalie's like a devil on his shoulder? I don't know, but like. You can just tell, like, this is like one of Will's best episodes. And she's not there in the hospital. Which is something I feel like we rarely see. Which, again, I really like this episode, too, because we rarely saw some of the doctors or, like, you know, some of them were supposed to be, like, off shift and whatever, which we never see. Like, they're always on shift, all of them together, all the freaking time. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, like, some of them were actually, like, not working when others were, I just thought this was, like, the most realistic. Yeah. Which was, like, just really refreshing to see that, like, oh, yeah, they don't all have to work the same shifts every single time. Yeah, and this circles back to the Manstead dynamic and all the craziness that we always talk about with them. Because, I mean, when they're being cutesy together, oh my goodness, they're so cute. But when they're at each other's throats, oh my God, they're annoying. And so it kind of circles back to that dynamic. I mean, I I was just going to say too, like, yeah, kind of going off of that. But even when they're not together and not at each 
even when they're not together romantically and not at each other's throats, they still just something in the air is not good for them. Like, I don't think they're kind of just still toxic for each other, even though they're not technically at each other's throats. Like in season two, because, you know, Will is happy with Nina. Natalie is happy with Clark. And so they're not really at each other's throats a ton, but it's still just not good. They're still just not good for each other. And I don't know why that is, but like, they're just not. <laughs> Brian has got hot takes tonight. Damn. I Yeah, I, apparently I do. Season two, man. Well, I just, the thing with Manstead is that I think, you know, I mean, no couple is perfect, right? Not at all. Not by a long shot. But they make each other happy. And I mean, they're literally the puzzle pieces that like complete the other. You can tell that they're meant to be together, right? As, right. I mean, but you know, you let the good in, when you let the good in, you let the good in and the bad, right? So no couple is perfect, but they're, they're it for each other. Right. And I'm not saying that. I definitely think they, des- you know, they're going to be together and they deserve to be together because they are really great for each other. It's just, when they're good, they're good. But when they're bad, they're bad. Right. And they tend to have more, at least in the four seasons of Med, they've had way more bad times than they've had good. Now, I feel like in late in the more recent seasons, they've been better. <laughs> Your face. Yeah. Uh, they, they've been better? But I would like, like to think that they're more adorable Dalty now about handling their problems. The whole issue with Ray and the gun aside. I'm just trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. Okay, as crazy as they drive me from time to time, I know they're meant for each other. Right. I definitely agree that with that, too. I'm just saying I think they're almost worse for each other when they're bad in the recent seasons. Just because they've crossed that line of, like, romance. And I don't know something about it that, like, because they've, like, crossed that line. Like, again, when they're good, they're good. But, like, because they've gone there with each other, now that when they're bad, it's, like, ten times worse. Hmm. To me, personally. But, again, I do also believe, this is not me, like, saying a hot take that man said shouldn't be together. I do believe that they are meant to be together and I am looking forward to them getting back together because I'm over this Philip shit. (laughs) But like when I'm just saying when they're good, they're good. And when they're bad, they're bad. Yeah, we can we can agree that Philip is a slutty lying liar who lies and we don't like him. He may not even come back this season. Has Ian Harding been seen on set? I don't know. I thought I heard that he was coming back. Is he? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, we've like digressed a lot. I got into like a Natalie thing, but I'm just saying. No, I mean, we're still I, on topic. We're talking about Manstead. I'm, no, but I'm saying Manstead isn't even in this episode. And we get some Kamahal came around back to Natalie. My point being was that Natalie is not there. And this is a great Will episode. I just don't think the two are not. I think they're related. And somehow that's all I'm saying. And I respectfully disagree. This is like the second time we've ever disagreed on the podcast. Yeah. I was just about to say, we never do this. So this is like another moment. And I think the first time we disagreed was about Manstead as well. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But all of that aside, we absolutely love Nick Gelfis and Tori DeVito. And you bet your ass we will be trying to get in front of them with questions to ask them at the Chicago Heroes event. Like, yes. Yes, please. Absolutely. And Nick and Tori banter like an old married couple. Like, they're hilarious together. Yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah, absolutely. And this time, especially for you, you didn't get to meet Nick last time. I didn't meet Nick or Tori last time. God, yeah, we got to fix that. I know. Yeah. I know. So elsewhere in the hospital, we've got to talk about the giant panda in the room. Connor and Dr. Choi. I just... This 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 wasn't good. I I still don't really understand. I mean, I do. I get like I get the storyline, but like I just, you know, I don't understand why. I'm not going to lie. Every time I saw that panda, I laughed. It it looks fake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it looks Choi is basically requesting to do this procedure on a high-profile patient. And Goodwin's like, this could be an international incident. Oh, my God, what are we doing? But if we pull it off, it could be so good. So Goodwin says it's okay, tells him to keep it under wraps, and that everyone involved is going to have to sign a non-disclosure agreement. So Choi's mystery patient comes in. He needs a cardiothoracic surgeon. But Latham's in surgery, and Connor is not on call. So what do we do? We take Connor and Robin out of their art gallery gala fancy schmanciness, whatever they're doing, and we call in Connor. And so first off, TBT to the early days of Connor and Robin, the freaking best. Oh, my God. Yeah, they were really cute. Um, Still don't really know about the soulmate thing. But again, I'm not going to get into all my hot takes tonight. But yeah, they were really cute. I'm willing to disagree with you twice in one episode, Bryna. I mean, I, I shit the crap out of those two. I never did. But, like, again, I can also get on board with the fact that they were really cute. And this was really cute. The cutest. And if 501 does not entail Connor going to Minnesota with Robin and Cece, like, I riot. I don't know. My rioting is just going to be yelling on the podcast. But Connor and Robin are the cutest. Yeah, they were really cute. But yes, anyway. So So Connor's like, what the hell are we doing? Like, why am I here? Well, Choi unveils the patient. It's a panda. (laughs) Your face as you said that was priceless. (laughs) It's a panda. I know it. I have so many questions. I have questions geared towards Colin Donald because I just want to be like what was going through Connor's head when he saw a panda he probably should have been like fuck this I'm out of here well I want to I quit I'll serve out my two weeks notice um get me the fuck out of here though what the fuck am I doing I want to imagine that his first thought was like what has my career come to and then like five seconds later he was like I am god I fix all of the things yeah i just i my questions more stem around the fact like there are like vet i don't know what the word for it is but like vet surgeons Mm -hmm. like people who obviously like specialize in surgery for animals right 
Yes. Like, I don't understand why, like, and I'm sure at a zoo, like, I'm sure the zoo has people like that that they go to. Like, I just don't understand why now they call in a human surgeon. Like, I don't understand. I yeah, don't and they, understand. They, never under, they never really explain why the panda is brought to med, do they? No, they explain why Goodwin wants to do it and, like, Goodwin's, Goodwin's reasons for Med taking on the case, but they don't explain why the panda is at Med, the, really. I mean, they do because of Choi, like, they do because of Choi being a volunteer at the zoo, but, like, I don't understand why. They're, it's a zoo. They have to have doctors that they work with, and they even do. Like, they show the woman who's, like, the head vet at the zoo, but, like, it's a freaking zoo. I'm sure they have surgeons. I don't understand why they are not called in. Like, I, it doesn't make sense to me. The only thing I can think of as to why they took the panda to med is because there is a moment where Connor's like, what the fuck am I doing? And Choi basically says he's like, it's the same plumbing, just bigger. Right. But then why is this not the case? Like, I'm sure, maybe not to this extent, but I'm sure animals have surgery all the time, probably on things like broken bones and whatever, but I'm sure they have more complicated procedures than that. So then why is it the first time that an animal is being brought to a human hospital and specifically med? So like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, that is like the head vet at the zoo can't do surgery then I'm sure they have a surgeon that they use. So why is the panda any different? That's all I'm saying. No, I, and I hear you loud and clear. I wonder if, I mean, it's twofold, really. So, I mean, veterinary medicine, is it the same as human medicine in that, in that you know, you're like, oh, hey, you know, I've had this symptom and that symptom. I think this might be off. I think we need to check it out. I'm wonder if veterinary medicine is just as proactive as human medicine or is it just solely reactive do you get what i'm saying yeah, 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 yeah i see what you're saying and i don't know the answer to that question i'd be fascinated to know um i just i don't know that was the thing that i really couldn't get past was just like why didn't surgeons who's like animal surgeons because i'm sure there is a it, it's not a veterinarian, but like, you know what I mean? There's, I'm sure there's a specialized word for it, but animal surgeons, why didn't an animal surgeon work on the panda? Like, that's where I still don't think they like got to the point. Like, I just, I don't know. That to me was like what bothered me. I can't imagine a defect like that in being common in an animal or like being, even being detected in an animal. I can't imagine that being common. Right. But then... I but I feel like it's not, this is the first time it's not, ha like, I feel like it's rare, but not rare enough that it's never happened before. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So then, like, what happened in those cases? And I'm sure even at this, even at this zoo, like, it's rare, and maybe not specifically in pandas, I'm sure it's maybe happened in other animals or whatever. It doesn't happen all the time, but I'm sure it's happened. So then, like, what happened in those situations? That's just what, to me, like, I don't know. And then, like, on the Goodwin front of this all, because, you know, Goodwin has her reasons. Goodwin says, you know, like, her reasons are basically, like, one being that the U.S. rents pandas from the Chinese and for $1 million because, you know, well, people love pandas. And if they pull this off, then there will be, like, tons of donations coming their way 
that will ultimately help them save countless human lives, you know, whatever. And then two, she obviously found out that pandas are getting close to extinct with only 2,000 left in the world. And so obviously you want to save every panda that you can. But for me, I just like, why? It's a fuck, like, I, 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 don't, I, I, like, I still don't get it. Like, I, who the, it's a freaking panda in a human hospital. Like, I still don't understand. Like, I get it, and those are good reasons, but, like, enough to really put all your resources to that? I don't know. That's the very question that Connor had. He was like, we're really going to direct hospital resources towards this? Right. And I, again, I get Goodwin's reasons. I really do. Especially the second one. Like, save every panda you can. There's only so many of them left. But, like, I still don't get it. The part, <laughs> and that's just me. I still don't get the it. The part that got me is when Goodwin starts talking about, like, how this is the potential for good PR. I'm like, I'm sorry, Goodwin. When did Gwen come in and, like, possess your body and start talking through you? Right. Did we actually meet Gwen, like, two seasons earlier and we right. just didn't know it? Yeah. Yeah, uh, 2019 Goodwin is not about that. No, 2019 Goodwin is quite the opposite. Yeah, I also did not know that there are, are less than 2,000 pandas in the world until this episode. Yeah, I didn't know either, and I feel like that's probably not an accurate number because this episode is now, what, two years, two old. years old? Three yeah. years old, three years old, probably when it's written. Um, but yeah, it's sad. Pandas are very cute. I know. They're really cute. I always loved going to see. I mean, granted, I've only seen them a few times. But, like, when they had the ones here at the National Zoo, solid life choice to go see them. So Robin thought it was totally sexy that Connor was trying to be a vet for the night. So funny. I loved Robin and Connor. I just, they're just perfect. It's so funny. The fact she's like alpha ct surgeon with a soft spot for animals and i just feel like the alpha part of this like thing is like connor to a t alpha is a very subtle way of saying god complex right that's what i'm saying like such an on-point description for connor (laughs) yeah and so legit when they're in the or and they're doing this procedure on the panda and then like the complications are happening i'm not supposed to be laughing but i'm laughing Yeah. Connor literally uh, says at one point, he's like, there's too much fur to make contact with the skin. I'm like, I will take things I never thought I'd say in the OR for 200. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know. And again, I think my, a bigger thing for me, too, was that it looked when they were up close and doing things like, you know, cutting it open or trying to, you know, make contact with the skin. Like, that's where to me, it just looks so unrealistic. And you would tell that it was just like, I don't know if it was a suit and someone was in there or if it was just the suit. I don't know exactly what they used, but you could just tell it wasn't a real panda. And to me, I like couldn't take it seriously. Why like, have we not to- checked IMDb yet to see if somebody was credited as the panda in that episode? I don't know. Um, I'm going to fix that right now. Great. But but you know what I'm saying? Like, it just, to me, like, it looked so unrealistic. It was just so far-fetched. Like, and then there's the moment where they're waiting for the panda to wake up, and the security guard points the gun. And I think Goodwin literally says, she's like, we're not shooting a panda in my hospital. 
again, things I never thought I heard them say in the OR for 500. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just just weird. And then once all of that is settled, that's when we finally clear up the fact that Choi volunteers at the zoo, which is like the most insignificant detail of this whole thing. Right. It. Yeah. But it Although, brings the story full circle. Right. But I did like his reason for like volunteering at the zoo. Absolutely. Um, I thought, you know, he and Connor are having this little bonding moment on the roof. And he says, you know, the reason that he volunteers at the zoo is basically because so much of his work is so dark and, you know, helping people after gunshot wounds and things like that. But like animals aren't really out killing each other out of malice. And that, you know, he says he's like, they're innocent. They're a light. Um, and that, Basically, like, a little bit of his hope in the world is restored when he's, like, around the animals. And I just thought that was, you know, I thought that was a nice way to wrap up this kind of insane storyline. Yeah, and it's totally relatable. I mean, that's pretty much the reason why any of us have hobbies, right? It's a nice kind of distraction from our work or from reality or the day-to-day grind. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. Um, also, nobody was credited as the panda in this episode, according to IMDb. <laughs> okay. Could you imagine, though, people being like, hello, I'm so-and-so. I was the panda on Chicago Med. <laughs> well, it's kind of just like whoever the dude is from, like, the left shark from Katy Perry's whole big thing. Like, that's going to be his shtick for God from here now to eternity. Or, like, I don't know if you were watching these wars at this point, but, like, when Sasha was the crab. Like, Sasha the Bee will always just – I can always picture Sasha in that crab suit. I'm going to YouTube that when we finish recording, and that's going to be a trip. Also, did I see you tweet on Wednesday that the Dancing with the Stars cast is going to be announced soon? Yeah, a week from today. So a week from today being Wednesday when we're recording this. I Thank need God. to know. I need I need Dancing with the Stars back in my life. We'll talk about this after. I have a lot of – I was texting about it with Ashley. I have a lot of things to say. Yeah, but talk about we'll, another we'll, escape from the day-to-day grind, Dancing with the Stars. Oh, I've needed it in my life. I miss it. I miss it. Elsewhere in the hospital, we've got Latham and Dr. Charles. This is a really interesting one. I I didn't know that like this happened. Yeah, me either. It makes so much more sense now, but I, I had no idea this happened. Yeah, so basically Dr. Latham is kind of realizing that he's not able to pick up on so certain social cues. And so Dr. Latham had kind of self-diagnosed himself with Asperger's syndrome. And Dr. Charles is like, yeah, you know, I think you actually might be right. And so he asks Dr. Latham how he feels about it. And Dr. Latham just says, he's like, I'm relieved. You know, my whole life, I've never understood why people treated me the way they did. And I felt like there had to be something wrong. And so... Dr. Charles recommends something called TMS, which is basically a form of magnetic stimulation. But he recommends that he said that that's an option. It's not the one he necessarily recommends just because they haven't they've only tested it out so much and they've never really tested it for this purpose. And so he's like, this is an option. But like, I recommend starting out with like things, you know, like the more traditional options, like medicine and you know therapy and all whatever I don't know what the actual options are but yeah those things yeah and so 
Dr. Reese, meanwhile, is working her first graveyard shift. Um, I loved how she was explaining to Dr. Charles. She's like, these are chocolate covered espresso beans. If I eat five an hour, I can go all night. Have you ever had a chocolate covered espresso bean? No, I don't like coffee. They're so good. They're so good. I don't like coffee. Oh, that's right. You don't like coffee. I'll remember that one day. I just. I think I like block it from memory because I love coffee so much that I just can't imagine somebody else not loving coffee. Um, But they're really good. But if you have too many, you know. So I just thought that was really funny. And I watched this episode at lunch at work and I I keep a stash of chocolate covered espresso beans in my office. So when she was talking about that, I was like, hmm, let me take out this drawer and have some chocolate covered coffee beans. They're so good. They're so good. So, yeah, she gets called in to pronounce patients. And, you know, this is like the first time she's ever done it. So not only does she have to do her first one, but she ends up having to do like two more. And so she gets one of Latham's patients and she's talking to the nurses and she's like, this is not my patient. Why is this my responsibility? And the nurse explains the nurse is like, well, you know, Dr. Latham, like he's a robot. He creeps people out. Horrible thing to say, first off. But. Dr. Latham comes in and he's like, why didn't you call me? This is my responsibility. He asks Sarah what's going on. And Sarah explains. She's like, they don't think that you're equipped to handle emotionally distraught people. And it really gets to Latham. Like, you can tell. Mm -hmm. And so he tells Dr. Charles that he wants to try the, the magnetic stimulation. And, you know, he even says, he says, I'm tired of living in a world that I don't understand. And so he wants Dr. Charles there to observe and, you know, Latham has the first part of the procedure. And then after he looks at the video again, because he started the episode with a video of these women displaying sarcasm and he didn't pick up on it. So he sees the video again and he starts to kind of pick up on these emotional cues. It's a really interesting story for an episode. Yeah. And I just think, you know, again, granted, I missed a lot of season two. We admitted this at the beginning of the episode. Like, I missed a lot of season two. But I always, I mean, we said, since we started this podcast, that, like, we just wanted more Latham and we wanted more backstory. I specifically wanted more backstory in regards to his Judaism, but that's just, like, me and my personal preferences. But, like, this is what I wanted. Like, this, I wanted to know more about Latham. Like, the things that made him tick, you know, like, just as a character and, like, because if we learn more about Latham as a character, we got to then learn arguably a little bit more about Connor through their relationship. Um, but this is what I want. This is all I wanted. And I'm like kind of sad that I just now realized that this is like a storyline that existed. I mean, just because Connor and Ava are leaving does not mean Latham can't stick around. But he was only introduced as like, not a foil to Connor, but like because of Connor. Right. Like, we've never seen him, except for this episode. Like, this is the first time I think we've really seen him exist outside of Connor. I mean, granted, again, I don't really know what else exists in season two. I'll have to go back and rewatch and figure it out. But, like, I'd like to think this is probably one of the few times he really exists outside of Connor. And we haven't seen it in seasons three or four since Ava came into the picture. Right. And Otto Essendo is just such a good actor. I know. He is. He really is. Yeah. Save Latham. 
Save Latham. Ha- hashtag hashtag Save Latham. Yeah, Save That's an actor I would die if they got him for Chicago Heroes event. If they got Otto Essendo, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be following him around like, Otto, five minutes, please. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Would be so awesome. Yes. Um, So we've also got Dr. Reese and she kind of has her own thing going on. Brenna, will you take us through Dr. Reese, please? Yeah. So basically, Reese is having a really rough night. Mm -hmm. Like a really rough night. Um, The episode starts out. She and Dr. Charles are working on a patient who had pneumonians in the ICU Dr. Charles even mentions that, like, he's afraid that she might end up delirious because of how much time she's spending in the ICU. Apparently, that's a thing that happens. Not really surprising, but, you know, still. And he and Dr. or she and Dr. Charles walk out of the room. And Reese, like, drops this on him that, like, she finally told her mom that she's a psych resident. And her mom just kind of laughed about it and was like, oh, yeah, Sarah, like, you're the last person I thought would be helping people like this, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, so her mom did not take it that well. Um, but later on, Reese tells Dr. Charles, like Gina mentioned earlier, that she volunteered to be on call tonight. And Dr. Charles is like, really? Why? And she's like, well, I'm afraid that the patient's instructions won't get passed on to the next set of nurses. And it's really important. Blah, 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 blah. And he says to her, he's like, you know, Dr. Reese, like, I know your mother might have some doubts about your future as a psychiatrist, but I, for one, do not. Not even a tiny bit. And he basically is like, I'm just saying, if you don't have, you don't have anything to prove to me. But Reese just really doubles down on the fact that, like, it's solely about this patient getting the proper care that she needs. You know, she just wants to make sure that things go as smoothly as possible. Dr. Charles also mentions to her that all of his, he recommends that all of his residents undergo some form of psychotherapy as a part of their training. Um, A, my guess is he doesn't say this, but probably because he thinks at after working in psychiatry for the first time, they're going to need it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also just says that, like, from a professional level, like, it's really good to see, like, it in action, essentially. Yeah. Um, and so she's like, I don't know if I can see myself in that. Like, I don't really know. But Dr. Charles just kind of lets it go for now. And he's like, okay, like, I'm not saying I require it. It's just, you know, recommendation, whatever. But then Sarah has this really rough night, as Gina kind of alluded to. Mm-hmm. Um, not only is she called in to call time of death on two patients that aren't hers, her other patient from the beginning of this episode ends up dying due to respiratory failure. Failure. So she has to do three time of deaths in one night when she has never even done one before tonight. That's got to be so rough. Right. I feel like even though this isn't the same thing necessarily, like it's not your first patient dying like in your hands it's still like it's your first time of death and I feel like it's probably the same thing like you always remember your first time of death Mm -hmm. and to do have not done one before tonight and then having done three in one shift like I feel like that's it's brutal right um and probably something that's sticking with her even god knows what she's doing now but like something that'll stick with her for the rest of her life Mm -hmm. um and so at the end of this night Reese goes and sees Dr. Charles and she tells him all about the patients dying and basically like starts crying hysterically and like Dr. Charles just kind of embraces her and she says, you know, she's like, I want to do the therapy like you recommended. Like I can't handle anything. I'm no good at anything. I'm a fraud. I'm just going to disappoint you. And so Dr. Charles is trying to 
kind of tries to, um, like reassure her and like, you know, it's a hard scene to watch. Yeah. It's, it's hard to watch her fall apart because that's another moment that's just completely relatable. But I feel bad for Dr. Charles knowing how their relationship ended. He's got to carry a ton of guilt with him for that, right? What, that he basically made her become this way? No, that, I mean, he's, in a way, he's kind of responsible for her leaving. Right, and that, like, because, like, he's the one that pushed her into this ultimately, and, you know, the way that she left, obviously, was kind of his, is that what you're saying? Their relationship was so good, and then it just fell apart and so I mean it's really unfortunate it fell apart over her father coming in and so I mean I think he was really a solid mentor for her and a father figure that she needed and it's unfortunate that their relationship ended up falling apart the way it did yeah it really sucks Mm -hmm. also momentary soapbox it's perfectly okay to go to therapy perfectly okay Yeah, accurate, 100%. Completely okay. Nobody's going to judge you. And anybody who do anybody who does judge you is not worth your time. Stepping off of my soapbox nope. now. Nope. Yeah. But that is the end of the Reese stuff. Um, and really the end of the episode. I mean, there is those random April and Tate scenes that like weren't really worth putting in the outline. No, but no, there I want to some... talk about Tate. I want to talk about Tate. Okay, well. Gina, take it away. Talk Um, about April. Tate is the fucking worst. Yeah, he's pretty bad. He's awful. He's so awful. I think deep down, Tate thinks he's doing the right things. Like, I think he really cares about April and really does just want to protect her. But he's going about it all the wrong ways and he still fucking sucks. (laughs) I feel like, you know how we were talking earlier about Gwen having, like, possessed Goodwin or something? Like, was Tate, like, a time traveler? Like, did he come out of, like, Little House on the Prairie where, you know, women weren't expected to work or something? Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think deep down, he really does care about April and really just wanted to make sure she and the baby were going to be okay. Obviously, April was going through a rough time with her TB stuff and obviously then finding out she was pregnant. Like, I really think that deep, deep down he cared about her. But, like, dude's definitely born in a different era. (laughs) In my own personal head canon, Tate became The Bachelor. And it went terribly. No, Gina, stop. Don't do that. No, stop. No, 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 no. No, Tate was bit on The Bachelorette, sure, and, like, got caught out on the shit. But he can't. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Tate would have been the Luke P of whatever season he was on. Right. That's what I'm saying. Tate could have gone on The Bachelorette and been the Luke P of it all. But don't don't disgrace The Bachelor like that. Don't make him The Bachelor. No, 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 no. Well, I'm just saying that, you know, he'd be like former NFL player. It would be like, ooh, he's so dreamy. Um, Psych. He's actually an asshole. They did that once. But um, yeah, just no, no, no. We're not. Wait, who was the former NFL player? Jesse Palmer, who's now on ABC, and oh, it's it. Yeah, he was a bachelor. Fun fact. Yeah, yeah. Not like early on, like a yeah. really long time ago, right? 
Yeah, 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 before I started watching. But fun fact, he was The Bachelor. God, Tate's the worst. Which I didn't realize until this episode when he was like, but you already worked a full day. Oh, you're observant, aren't you, Tate? Yeah, sometimes you then have to go back in. And then wow. he completely lies to her. Then he's like, I don't want to change you. Uh, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. That's why you end, dude. But okay. That's for a different episode. <laughs> My God, those two. No, Tate made me so angry. And then he like tried to butter her up with the flowers. I was like, stop it. Stop it. Yeah. Just no. I mean, April is an independent woman. Just saying. You don't need no man. Well, it's not even that she doesn't need a man. I mean, she she took care of business when she was like, I'm not the woman you want. Like, trust me. But Tate just sucked. Yeah. Blah. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, otherwise that that is the episode now. I'm sorry. I just had to get those Tate bills out. It just, yeah, no, it's fine. It just, it wasn't really enough to like make a whole like, thing about it because it was just like two scenes really like it wasn't really that much but we talked about it so we're all good <sighs> Tate sucks hashtag Tate sucks <laughs> yeah but I think that's about all we've got for tonight any other notes about this episode Brenna no I think that's it I, I'm glad we watched it I'm glad we finally have both now seen it um, really great other than that one storyline <laughs> yeah yeah, so as always, you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Meet us at Molly's right across the board. Email us anytime about anything. We're still watching summer TV. I'm catching up on The Handmaid's Tale. Brenda, what are you watching right now? Uh, Bachelor in Paradise. <laughs> Which I actually have not seen this week's. So I need to catch up. Either of them? Weren't you watching last night? Um, like, I, I watched, like, little bits. I couldn't really keep up with it, but, yeah. Oh, there's some there's some good stuff this week. You'll have to catch up. Yeah, so I'll have to catch up. But, yeah, we're still on Summer TV, and, you know, we're, we're doing other stuff aside from one Chicago. Um, you know, email us anytime, anything. Meet us at mollies at gmail.com. Our email is a safe space about anything at any time. We've got a tea public store, y'all. Go buy your shirts. Go buy your stickers, your coffee mugs. Get your gear. We're coming out with some more new designs, too. I'm basically playing in Photoshop every moment of every day, and it's a lot of fun. Don't tell my boss. <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. If you like the show, which we really hope you do because you've made it all the way to the end of this episode, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. It will help a lot of other shy hearts find the show. Follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Bryna? I'm at Bryna K13. That's about all we've got for this week. We are working on a PD episode. Yeah, we're working on finishing up the coordinates. Not the coordinates. We're working on, we're working on finishing the logistics with that. And once we do, we'll let you know what we're covering. And yeah, everybody have a good weekend. And we will see you next week. Bye.